0: welcome to education suspended a podcast focused on exploring engaging and dialoguing with those in education who are passionate about changing the status quo and evolving the archaic system we have inherited hey everyone welcome to episode 14 of education suspended i'm one of your co-hosts jessica pfeiffer thanks for joining us this episode is supported by canine photography I have actually a text message here in front of me um, from someone who, who worked with Katie this summer um, and she took their family photos and it says, thank you for introducing me to Katie. We just met her at a park for our family photos and it was so much fun. I can already think of a few more events that I wanna ask her to do. So again, uh, great grateful that Canine Photography is supporting this episode and feel free to reach out and look for services at caninephotography.com. K-A-N-E-E-N, photography.com. In our episode today, we sit down with Dr. Jermaine Kennedy, who's the Director of Education at the Homeless Families Foundation, and I really enjoyed the perspective that he brings to the educational setting um, regarding, I guess, thinking outside kind of the brick and mortar walls of services that that we tend to give students and, and understanding that, you know, for a lot of our students, the... The, the family, the community that surround them are extremely influential on their success. And if we forget that and don't take care of those supports, um you're asking for a miracle sometimes, to be honest. Uh, he gave he gives this great analogy. Um, I think he says it's it's essentially like putting putting air in a flat tire, right? If we keep just focusing on the kid over and over and don't step back to look at the family or the community, um, it might be these short-term solutions, but it's not going to get us the results that we want, which I just love. I love that perspective. He also, he has an amazing story to to share um, of his own journey in education um, and kind of, you know, what is it like when the system that you're in isn't, isn't really designed with you in mind? Right? What, what do you do to create or redesign the systems that you can be successful? Uh, anyway, it's a great episode. We're excited to have you here. So sit back and enjoy Education Suspended with Dr. Jermaine Kennedy. Hi, Dr. Kennedy. Welcome to Education Suspended. Um, we're, we're glad to have you here. Um, you do such amazing work and you work in a really cool organization in Ohio. So uh, we're going to kind of dive into that. But before we do,
1: if you would just introduce yourself to our listeners and, and talk about, let, 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 let oh. me give them a little. Oh, here we go. Because yeah, yeah because he showed up with his Scarlet Ohio State shirt on, on a spring Saturday, probably because they have a spring game going and that he thinks it's that big of a deal. So this is an Ohio State guy all the way. I just just got to let people know that beautiful Scarlet shirt looks good on him.
2: <laughs> well, well uh, I, I, it, is, it is my alma mater. I, I, and we in Ohio are certainly Buckeye fans. Uh, particularly in Columbus, all the way through, uh, it, it's almost it's almost a religion here. Um, but <laughs> but certainly, uh, we 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 enjoy uh, the, the camaraderie and the the sportsmanship and just the the fun that uh, you know that fellowship around uh, Ohio State football and yeah. just in in general. So that's that's the representation.
1: I okay. love it. Well, then we're we're glad you're dressed for church.
2: Thank you. Indeed.
0: <laughs> I love it. And I feel like I'm going to be hurting cats today because as we were prepping for our episode, the four of us were all over the map and giving each other a hard time. So we're really not sure where this episode's going to go, but that's all right. We're going to have fun. Um, so Jermaine, yeah, introduce yourself to our guests, uh, what you do, how you got there. And then at the end, if you feel comfortable, we'd love to hear kind of your story as a student. What was school like for you?
2: absolutely up again dr. Jermaine Kennedy uh, I, I've been in education for the last probably 17 years now uh, currently I'm, I'm responsible for yeah, uh, some out-of-school time programming which we do on the uh, the west side of Columbus just to provide uh, support for our marginalized students in uh, really K through 12, but specifically K through 8 around out of around after school programming, uh, uh, summer programming and other uh, just kind of weekend out of school time program that just to support uh, the the needs that kids may have outside of the academic realm right and so uh, a lot of this work is is to kind of build that social emotional learning and uh just that capacity we like to say where we're fostering community and building capacity in our in our work at the homeless found at the homeless families foundation uh, but i i got there because uh initially i was in a school i was a teacher for for several years uh then transition to a principal and and just through that experience always realize no matter what we do in the school building there are other non-academic barriers that always get in the way for 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 kids and if we you know we can put in all this effort and work in the school and once they go home some of those things are lost and not necessarily by their choice right It's, it's just the the environmental uh impact that Creates these creates a chasm with the school and the community, and so through that, uh, I decided as a principal to kind of start a a, a make the school a, a community hub, uh, and that way we started to bring in a lot of uh, community partners and vendors uh, from financial literacy to legal aid to cooking and agriculture to. Uh, certainly, after school programming, before care programming, uh, just to provide uh, add a layer of support uh, for for families and for the kids. And 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 it was very it was very successful. And so that just opened my eyes up to the, that need to provide. Uh, certainly, academic pieces is, is important, but if, if we're not addressing some of those other uh, barriers, it's 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 almost all for not. It's like putting. Uh, Air in a flat tire, you know, it's it's it inflates for a minute, but it's it's going to certainly uh, deflate once again. So providing those other structures, and so that's kind of what what my work is now. Uh, just we call it, you know, it goes from wraparound services to integrated supports, uh, but it has many different names. But it's it's certainly providing those structures. Uh, and for me, my educational experience, uh, I. I was always a great student, good student, uh, but I I did get in trouble a lot. Uh, In fact, all the way from elementary school uh, to high school, I was in and out of suspensions, out of school suspension, in school suspensions uh, for just various, various kind of disruptive behaviors, if you will, or, or, or disrespect. To me, looking back, it was... A, a lot of those subjective behaviors that teachers uh, look at kids and, and because it's a, a lack of kind of a compliance, you know, uh, kids are often removed. And I was one of those kids. And so uh, up until my, my sophomore year of high school, uh, it culminated in an expulsion. Right. And that expulsion kind of just woke me up, if you will, and, and, and figured like this, this just isn't working. Uh, and it was a, it was a, my, uh, biology teacher uh, was the first black teacher I ever had right that that kind of started to mentor me and work with me and and, and show me uh, a different side and, and my abilities and kind of instill that belief in me right and so with that I ended up going to Ohio State uh, as a biology major because of that that uh, that care and that support uh, yeah. that she that she provided for me uh, so that's kind of my 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 experience and and once I Got there to Ohio State. Uh, it was an, another professor, my first black male professor, first black male teacher, really, uh, that really changed the complete trajectory of my my my, my story of my in my life. Uh, he was a, a black studies uh, professor, and that was the first time I ever really learned some of the things that we were learning. And it was like, why? Uh, why is this the case? And and from there, uh, I decided to go into education and primarily elementary education to kind of support students who were like me that all often were in trouble for for no real good reason uh, other than the fact that that the, the challenge in the in the school just didn't mesh well with what I saw on a day to day and kind of what was being uh, delivered to, to to students in, in our population. Mm-hmm.
0: How how did you or have you or continue to, I should say, experience the role of representation? Right. We know representation matters. You had you just shared two beautiful stories. But now as someone that is working with kids, how do you see that in, in the work that you do?
2: It, 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 it matters a lot. I mean, even even now to the research, right the, the research right now, there's less than two percent, roughly two percent black male educators in the nation, right? Uh, And we know the research suggests if a black child has a black teacher, male or female, uh, by the third grade, their chances of uh, graduation are greater as well as from high school, as well as their uh, opportunity to go to college, right? Also having that representation uh, decreases those exclusionary practices for for kids and keeps kids in the class and in school. Right. So, once I was in position as a principal to kind of have a little bit of autonomy in, on the hiring, I, I certainly did a lot of recruitment to make sure that that representation was in the classroom, uh, was in the building. Uh, even now in this after school space and out of out of we call it out of time, out of school time space, uh, I ensure that some of our, our community partners represent. Uh, various backgrounds and make sure that the, the vendors that we bring in are from various backgrounds. Uh, but I want to always make sure that our kids get to see the full gamut of what's available and, and what they're uh, able to do. And, and certainly having a diverse, uh, and, and when I say diverse, I do mean uh, in this case, having Black educators in the classroom and, and working with kids is, is certainly important uh, in, that, in that work.
1: Can, can I ask quickly, Jermaine, your opinion? I'm sure it's got to be an opinion. How how do we change that number? Two percent black male educators. Wow, I'd yeah. love to see that number change, but I wouldn't know where to start.
2: Well, it, it's, it's, it's complex. It's complex. And, and there are several uh, uh, organizations that are trying to do some, that are doing some good work around that. But a lot of it stems from, you know, one practice tests right like so some of the Praxis tests to become a teacher is often based off of test taking right and, and we already know a lot of the, the implicit bias in the testing but it doesn't reflect teaching ability right like so so that's already a barrier then to become a teacher in a lot of states you know you have to get a master's degree so so the cost of uh pursuing education right is another barrier and then you once you do have, once you're in the school system, and sometimes the school culture and the climate isn't conducive for diverse thought, diversity mm-hmm. of uh, uh, particularly black males in a 80% white man, white woman uh, field, it, it, it doesn't lend that same supportive environment, right? And so those are just a, a couple of barriers that uh, kind of, keep that number where where it is and and then when you look at the teacher preparation programs you know the 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 need for recruitment uh of diverse uh teachers is is great and they oftentimes don't do a good job at that right and it's just and it's just the nature of it and so there, for a lot of teachers of colors there are a lot now i don't want to say a lot but of Alternative routes of teacher licensure is one of the main uh, pathways for teachers, uh, of color in school systems. And so, uh, it's, it's, the more we can kind of bolster those types of programs, work with state departments of education to expand those types of opportunities, particularly around the praxis, uh, I think that's when we can start to see that number increase. Boy, that I,
1: I'll just make one final comment on that. That hits me. I I had a student teacher oh, many years ago from Nigeria, Wonder, wonderful educator, very bright, loving person, just enjoyed her to know, but she couldn't, the praxis test was so unfair mm-hmm. for her. She was just, you know, not, you know, also being a native of Nigeria it made it even mm. harder. So um, I understand that unfair system that keeps, mm. it, that that is a change we need to think about.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. You go. Now, I was just going to say that again. there is a lot of organizations that are that are pushing that. Like the the, the New Teacher Project is one. Uh, the, the Center for Black Educator Innovation is is another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as long as and we can, as long as those voices, we are amplifying those voices and and giving voice to to, to educators in that in that in that field in that realm of uh diversity I, I think we will start to see a little bit more of, of those barriers breaking down uh but it's it's, it's a process uh yeah and we're, we're here for the work
0: are there are there statistics about the difference of how many uh, black women become educators versus men because I'm, I'm also curious as you know when you well, you know, Push Out's an amazing book that talks about kind of the the Black experience for girls, but still in in general, what we tend to see is that, the, you know, the males have to, almost your experience, right? More of this externalizing suspension, expulsion, and at times the girls can have more of the compliance-based, I'm just going to fade in, right? And so I'm wondering if those experiences also lead to their desire to become a a teacher, right? Like not, not everyone is going to have your experience. Like, oh, I I was, I was expelled and I still want to give the system a shot. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if there's any statistics on that or how the difference exists.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly, there are some statistics around that. Uh, And and we, and we know uh, that you know black girls are being suspended you know push out does a very good job of yeah. uh, of highlighting that. uh that the number of black girls that are being suspended in, in with these exclusionary practices is is growing and it, and it's growing from right from from preschool right like yeah uh, all the way up until you know secondary ed. so uh it's it's a huge need uh the, the whole school to prison pipeline is we need to disrupt that system yeah. right we, we 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 certainly do and and uh in, in many different facets, because, you know, I, I always say, and I've always said it before, you know, when a system isn't designed or have you in, in mind in its inception, like you, you are constantly trying to yeah. rebuild it. Uh, yeah. you know, you, 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 may have a couple of people who slide through, who make it through You know, some Dr. Kennedy's here and there. Uh, but the vast majority of, uh, of our, our young people of, of color are, are, are failing and, and, and falling through all types of cracks. And so, uh, because it really wasn't designed for with them in mind.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's inspirational, I wanna say, just to the fact that like your through line to kind of change that is not just an education, but a partnership with the broader community, right? Absolutely. Like I think like you're understanding, like if we just stick to this system, not going to work right we need to bring others into this um as a principal can you talk about kind of again partnering with schools how did you see that strengthen your kids your uh your teachers and the community like what did that look like for you
2: uh one the, the the biggest the biggest change was just in attendance right like so just breaking down some of those barriers in terms of making sure that we had uh hot breakfast, uh, having food accessible, uh, having a, a small pantry uh, where we can provide food for kids uh, during school, but as well as to, to allow them to take food home, right? And, and, it, and it wasn't uh, something that we kind of broadcast and make sure that everyone knew about uh, that they kids were taking food home or whatnot, but it was just, Providing that for families to come up there on a Saturday if they needed extras, uh, uh, providing those those workspace those kind of before school and after school programs because we, we didn't have the budget and the staff to provide that so we certainly had to partner uh, with our some local agencies that provided that that, that support you know one of them being uh, after school all stars uh, that provided our before and after school types of programming again parents and the parents that the the population that I served in this particular uh, uh, elementary school is 81% uh, ELL students uh, primarily hispanic right and, and so there were there was already a barrier in language there uh, but also in terms of their uh, their their status and so to go out into the community to search for resources uh, was, was not always uh, feasible for them. And so yeah. bringing all of those resources to the school uh, allowed them a safe space to uh, be able to tap into some of the benefits that they may have been eligible for, uh, but because one member in the household didn't have a social security number or a social security card didn't wanna go out into the, the, the broader community because of that fear. And so bringing in, uh, social services to the building, to have informational workshops, uh, to be able to provide them with other benefits, uh, bringing in legal aid to help them kind of navigate through some of the the, the, the legal system and, and, and receiving their uh, uh, documentation, if you will. Uh, providing uniforms and uh, resources to financial assistance, be that utilities or rental assistance uh, through other organizations that provided that at the school in partnership. Again, it, 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 it bolstered a, uh, this, this, this social, the social capital of the school. And so the, the, the teachers appreciated it because now we kids are in school more often. Uh, we also to further bolstered that relationship, because like I said, 81% of our, 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 our parents certainly were ELL uh, language, English language learners, but our teachers uh, did not speak Spanish or were not required to speak Spanish. And so one of the programs uh, I started was, I recruited three of our, our very, very active parents to teach uh, Spanish to the staff, and uh, wow. I had are it's called wow. OLAC uh, uh, organization that provides a lot of ELL learning, uh, provide, teach the parents, and like anyone else, uh, English. And so we would have wow. the English, the English group and the Spanish group going on in the school. We would have the after-school program going on, uh, and then we would have other vendors just kind of in the hallway, just as, as needed uh for whatever was you know parents may have need and then and so from there like that whole community of, uh, of partnership and, and engagement uh it, it, it just created a, a sense of, of of safety uh just a relational trust uh and and when i started we had 83 students uh at the end of that four years that i was there uh we had 285 students. Uh, wow. And again, we did not recruit students. We it was all word of mouth through families, it, it, because they 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 trusted what we were doing. They had a, again a safe space, and we were only able to do that by leveraging community partners that can do some of the things that we couldn't do. We also had some uh, uh, mental health services and and, and social workers. Uh, interns that we brought from, from, from OSU and then other surrounding colleges. So again, to leverage some of those supports that we know that our families needed, but we just couldn't provide due to our, you know, our, 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 budget primarily, uh, but just the other resources that we were limited in. I absolutely love
1: that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is a real magnet. That's a magnet school. Yeah. In yeah <laughs> that's literally a magnet school that's how we should yeah. rename them
0: yeah um, well and you you brought the community to them right like we always expect our families to go to go get the community and right. you just flip the switch you're like oh enough is enough we're going to bring it to you right and that right. that sense that sense of social capital that's who i don't know why I, I have not thought about i mean i yeah, it seems very simple, but having parents teach teachers Spanish, I was like, okay, that's phenomenal.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and again, and I think it goes without what I was saying, but when we center the students' needs and when we center families' needs, we can come up with all types of solutions to things, right? Because uh, the whole community school uh, community partnership isn't a new idea. This is, you know, this is Dates back to the the 19th century, right? Like, so there, there's always been some type of community model to support uh, then the, the the teachers and the superintendents and building school and building the curriculum. Uh, but certainly, there was always a need to provide uh, supplementary supplemental support for the families uh, from from food to clothes to shelter, right? And so, uh, it's just really remembering that, right, and bringing. Bringing that back to uh, or reimagining that in a new way, and I think uh, right now COVID was a, a was a great way for schools to realize the need to leverage uh, their resources yeah. with community partners. Uh, it, it really kind of drove that point home, and I think we're starting to see that a little bit more more now, and I think that's going to continue uh, as the pendulum swings uh, this way.
1: If we have principals listening, and I think we will, can you talk us through a few of the, you know, you're a brand, let's go back to when you were a brand new principal and needing a new vision and probably having a new vision. But what were some of the first initial steps to making yeah. this happen?
2: Uh, we, we, we started with uh, kind of our, our, a needs assessment, the school needs assessment. What, what do we have to offer? What supports can we provide? But then it was, again, going back to centering the families, but what does the what does the families need, right? And so we we did a need assessment uh, with surveys with families. So we it, it wasn't a lot of, you know, send out a link. Complete the survey. It was yeah. calling families, uh, answering the questions, and us compiling them. Uh, and so that that's where we kind of got a lot of the desire for parents wanting to learn uh, English, so they can uh, get, so they can get gainful employment, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so uh, doing that that needs assessment, uh, as well as a needs assessment within the community. What what. Is in our community, uh, area or, or you know the regions, region that w- could support our families, right? And so, understanding what's there, uh, what's free, uh, what 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 their what the community's needs are, uh, because they they all had uh, you know missions and things that they needed to 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 accomplish as well. So how can we kind of uh, tag team this? And and I yeah. can. Kind of provides you with a, a, a pipeline, if you will, of families that will always that need these services. Uh, so understanding w- the school's capacity, what does the families need? What does the com- the community have to offer? And then just creating a plan. And so we we started we started small uh, with the the before and after because before and after was a, a a big need as well because of the, the the working schedules of parents and so we started with the before and after care and then we started integrating some of the uh the food the fresh food and vegetables uh with some of the the our franklinton farms and the other programs in that area uh to bring that, those fresh foods and vegetables to the schools to give those out during the school day but also on the weekends uh we were uh, in partnership with a church uh near our campus. So they had another pantry that we were able to tap into. And, and so just understanding what what do you have available, what's needed, and just yeah. just implementing, right? And just just executing it the best you, you can. Uh, and following up with, with parents, right? Like so we we consistently uh call parents, talk to parents, open the doors just to say like, you know, we are here, uh, we're having these events, we we have monthly uh family engagement events if it was a literacy night if it's a math night uh uh our our music department did kind of uh, uh what do we call them uh basically showcases uh mm-hmm. of the kids performance just ways to get the 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 parents in the building want to see, like, okay, this, this is a, a safe place, and I do love the work that they're doing here, and maybe, maybe I, I can trust them in other areas too. And so, I guess that's that's kind of the the, the starting place, I think. I'm curious. You... Oh, oh, go
1: sorry. ahead. I just want we just want a quick follow up. Jessica, um, were you able to engage some of the parents um, as experts uh, or? or anything, did anything like that happen where you found out that gee, there's great human resources, either parents or grandparents or a- anyone else, were you, were you able to even engage them as part of the solution?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so we had we had three parents uh, teach teach our, our staff, as uh, including myself, Spanish. Uh, we, we had a couple of, of the fathers, uh, because we were in the old building, and we had to kind of renovate some of the, the, the air conditioning. Uh, so we have th- uh, two parents, two fathers uh, that were able to get some air conditioned units donated. Uh, and they installed them in, in two of the, uh, our first grade and second grade classrooms. Right uh, Again, Amazing. because that's that's they wanted to what give back. Do? And that was the way that they knew how to give back. They weren't comfortable in coming in the classroom and kind of helping yeah. out when, and with the teacher. But this is what they could do. Right, but uh, and that's and that's what they did, uh, and that we, we were grateful for the the, the air conditioners uh, that they uh, were able to in-kind and install. Right, like that was that was awesome, uh, and and again that 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 word of mouth and that trust because there was a, a lot of communication amongst the our our families uh, that you know it, it it was for me it was unprecedented, and I, and I had. Never experienced that kind of level of support from families um, mm. engaged in the school, uh, and not necessarily on the academic side, but just wanting to support the school in whatever, whatever way that they can support the school.
1: Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it made, yeah. it made my heart sing is what it did. <laughs>
0: well, I'm curious. Did you, in this process, to kind of you know create this equitable environment? Did you experience any barriers or pushback? whether it be from within your community or from the larger district?
2: No, no, not necessarily. Uh, okay. We were we were a, a part of a, a smaller uh, charter school network. So I, I did have a, a lot more autonomy than uh, a, a larger district would have, right? Uh, so we didn't really receive too much pushback. You know, it was always uh, making sure I had to sell it to the board in a way that, you know, The focus is always, you know, the accountability movement. It's always test, test, test scores. Uh, where are we on our, our report card, right? Uh, and so, this was the the first time we were kind of able to articulate: we need, if we don't provide these other levels of support. Yeah. our test scores will remain what they are because one, we're going to continue to have an attendance problem, right? And if, if kids aren't here, they're not learning. And then that's, that's the, the biggest, that's the biggest barrier in and of itself. Uh, so really getting them to understand uh, this is why this focus is in place. This is why we are doing this. Uh, so on the back end, we can increase our test scores so we can provide our, our, our students with more instruction uh, through our out of school programs as well as in the classroom. Uh, and, and one of the biggest things too that I, I, to go back, this is kind of around the time where where PBIS really started kicking off, uh, particularly in Ohio with our you know, Ohio improvement process. And so for me as as a, as a student that was constantly removed from school. Uh, I, I made it my my point, we, we weren't doing that. right? We we're not going to just suspend kids uh, or send them in out schools, I mean in school suspension because they were difficult or they didn't understand or they or whatever, whatever the reasoning may may have been. Uh, and so we we started our our PBIS program and really started focusing on Positive behavior uh, been rewarding positive behavior and uh, highlighting that uh, to the point where uh, it was in 2013, Ohio had its first. Uh, it, it was through the uh, Racial Justice Now out of Dayton had their first discipline report card, uh, and we had our we received the A plus uh, because we didn't have the, our, our suspension rate was a, a below 5% like we just weren't suspending kids. and 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 it took a minute for some of our teachers to get on board with it but they they did ultimately and and again leveraging some of those other partners um, in terms of some of the mentors that we had come into the building that could provide like some of our tier 2 type of PBIS where they can work through sure. some check-ins with 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 kids and just have that again that that relational trust with another positive adult in the building Uh, kind of we were able to redirect a lot of behaviors that typically or normally would have just been this is suspended for three days right or you need to come pick up your child today type of thing and I I think parents appreciated that as well which kind of led you know lended itself into the okay this school really does care about my child and it cares about uh the families and this community
1: can you give us a sense of the patience required or the timing or that that's a process that you started how long did it really take to take a hold i i think a lot of our you know we always want things done fast but usually the good things aren't done so fast i would love to know kind of the timing of of the changing
2: yeah it, it was it was a so it was about three years uh, probably going into my fourth year when it really kind of, we were solidified, like, this is our identity as a school. This is what we do as a school. And this is our beliefs uh, for, as, as a school, but also for our families and the students that are, uh, that, that we serve. Uh, so it took about three, three years. And, and, and to the credit of the, 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 the Department of Education at the time, we, we did have a, uh, uh, a uh, state specialist that worked with us throughout this process, because again, we were part of this whole Ohio improvement process that worked with me uh, as, as the principal, uh, but also that facilitated some, some training uh, for the staff just around the need to uh, include some of the behavior uh, supports in our in our teacher based teams and really discuss that what are we doing to uh, as the adults in the building to kind of mitigate uh, situations before they arrive uh, arise. What are we doing yeah. to kind of make sure that our classroom is regulated and so uh, students aren't just kind of falling into just dysregulation, right? Like we we were, you know. They supported us with the whole trauma-informed, uh, trauma-informed practice and trauma-informed care in, in the school setting. So uh, that, in combination with just the the, the desire to support uh, our families uh, and me, constantly push that, like it, it you know, it, it it served us well.
1: Yeah, thank you. I I like seeing Jessica's head nodding because she's she's the champion of the three to five year plan.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I love
1: that. I love that from you, my friend. I love that from you because most schools want to be in a three month plan.
2: Yeah, if only, (laughs) right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's something about just the need to go slow to make it last, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this is this is proof. Mm -hmm. I want to shift a little bit though it's not gonna be major, right? Cause this, again, this through line of community is now what you're doing now, right? So you are working and what's your title again? I wanna say director of education, but I don't remember.
2: That's, that's correct, director of education.
0: Wow. I'm just proud of myself anyway. Uh, so for, <laughs> for the Homeless Families Foundation and you are now in you know, same context, but a little bit of a different role, you're now the community. Absolutely. Right. So now reflecting on the experience that these kids are having in schools, what are you seeing?
2: Uh, (laughs) What so what 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 we do, uh, we have seven schools that feed into our program uh, that we work directly with. I'm trying to kind of dial it back to maybe two so we can provide a little bit more comprehensive support and not uh, to be spread as Stan. Uh, but what essentially, what, what we're finding and the schools uh, realize this now is, is that the teachers can't do everything in the building, right? Like there needs to be, there need there is a need to have these wraparound supports in, in in the school, and so though that we are a community-based organization, and we have our own site where we have kids coming to the building, we also uh, have personnel that go in, that will go into the school, work with that teacher, that child's teacher, particularly in particular. Uh, I will work with the the, the, the principal, uh, and we will find ways to meet some of the needs. So now I have the arsenal of support that I have is a lot greater, right? So now we can uh, provide a lot of financial assistance as, as it relates to rental rental assistance utility assistance uh we we are one of the one of the several partners in the Columbus uh, area that have been working with social emotional learning uh, and assessments through castles DESSA's program uh, so we rate all of our all of our students in the in our program as well as work with the school now to uh, do ratings for social emotional learning for those students, and we kind of compare how the students are in the school setting as well as the how students are in after school space, and where are the, where are the gaps, and how can we kind of uh, uh, plug those gaps? But overall, we we are we we're we're just I'm just able to uh, provide a lot more comprehensive support that uh, I certainly wish as a as a principal and a certain all schools. Uh, like this level of, of support uh, because they're, they're, this this is one thing is we have this image that because we're the homeless families foundation that a, a, a child or a family has to be homeless to receive these uh, services and, that, and that's not the case and so we we provide the same services to all families in particular stu- families that are coming out of housing uh, shelters or on that spectrum of uh, homelessness, if it's doubling up or, or you know, you know, couch surfing—that's what we say with some of our transitional age youth—we uh, are able to provide a little bit more case management with those families, yeah. but we still provide the same level of support for all the students. And so, uh, being that students can come to our location, we provide them with hot meals, uh, uh, academic enrichment. Uh, tutoring, individualized tutoring, uh, as well as just kind of uh, enrichment for math and reading as well as the social emotional learning. And then one of the, the things that I'm big on is uh, pathways. How, do, how can we create uh, opportunities for kids to be exposed to something that may lead to a career or lead yeah. to uh, an opportunity in the future? So we, we have a lot of uh, tech in our, in our program. More kids are coding. They're doing robotics, uh, mixed media. We have we have a couple of kids who, who are doing podcasts, uh, as well as videography, photography. Uh, we're 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 where working with the, the the agriculture department, and uh, we have kids growing food. Uh, mm-hmm. A program, uh, Franklinton uh, Franklin Conservatory, where it's growing beyond Earth uh, with NASA. And so they are abs- <laughs> creating. Are 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 designing uh, different types of vegetables and and fruits that are able to survive in space, right? And so it's, it's these types of exposures that it when kids go back to school, they they have another level of confidence of of being able to in their capacity again building their capacity. And that's what we want to do. And so the Homeless Families Foundation and our program with the Dow, we provide a lot of that support to the schools. During this whole COVID when 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 kids were working virtually, uh, we opened our doors for the day program. And so we have our own transportation where we will pick up kids, bring them to our day program. While they can have their virtual learning in that space, and we will, you know, support provide the support that they may need, whether it's technology, whether it's the broadband, or they just needed some, some social engagement with some, again, with some adults that that care.
1: Yeah, uh, Jermaine, just a, a quick follow up on money. <laughs> That's that program is amazing, and a lot of people going to hear this and go, "Yeah, it's great if you have the money." Um, how did you access
2: funding? So, we, we, yeah, yeah, we we have we have multiple funding streams. We certainly we have uh, funding from from the county. Uh, certainly, a lot of foundation funding and private funding. So, as a nonprofit, uh, the, the name of the game is always uh, funding, funding, funding. How do we secure funding? And so, we have a, our, our our development department. Uh, and development and advancement that, that reaches out. And so based off of the programs that we would provide and the things that we can do for families and for students, a lot of foundations and a lot of agencies want to tie themselves to that. A lot of corporations want to tie themselves to that. Nice. Uh, so again, uh, the, 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 NASA program that, that was, they funded that, right? Like that, they came yeah. directly from, uh, uh, a partnership with NASA and, Frank- and Franklin Conservatory. Franklin Conservatory, and so we always are looking to tap into uh, funders and opportunities that will allow kids to become their best selves uh, in out of school time and out of school space. And because we have results and we have our data and, and we we can track this. Uh, it's, it's an easy sale, and I, I don't want to say easy in terms of it's easy to do, but it's an easy sale uh, that uh, a lot of corporations and foundations uh, want to put their name on. And we and we we welcome it. Yes. Uh,
0: Dr. Kenny, for to the teachers listening, what would you want to say to them about? You know what they should know regarding students who may be experiencing homelessness, who may be more transient than the peers sitting next to them in class. What's important for them to understand?
2: Uh, I think just b- building that relationship with with, with students, right, and, and understanding the the level of uh, uh, one thing with McKenna-Venti Act, right? It it, it provides. Uh, access for all students, for all students facing homelessness, whether it's enrollment, uh, just just being in the school. And it really gives them cover in terms of it technically shouldn't be known. Like a teacher really shouldn't know if a student is facing homelessness or uh, on that spectrum because they're providing the same types of support uh, for, for the kids so that the McKinney-Vento provides some added funding for school districts uh, to to do that work, but for teachers, I think they should continue just to build relationships with students and work with students on their on centering them and the needs that they have. Uh, but it, to understand the uh, the homelessness side of the house, uh, certainly being sensitive to to, to trauma trauma-informed care, being res- uh, uh, familiar with culturally responsive practices, all, all the things that make good teachers, good teachers, right? All the yeah. best practices that we know that's already in place, you do the same thing for them. And so I, it's not necessarily a, uh, because a student is facing homelessness that now they, you need to do something different. Uh, in fact, you you want to c- do the same thing to make that student yeah. feel like they are part yeah. of I the love class, that. Right? Yeah.
0: I needed that reminder I think it's right if we truly have an equitable environment you don't need to know and I say that all the time about kids with trauma right because teachers like well what if I don't know I'm like you don't need to know
2: mm-hmm. right
0: like you should be able to have a, a classroom that this kid walks into and regardless you're going to be able to connect with them so that that's a good reframe I needed that thank you for that reminder mm-hmm. I just love what you just said I just get caught up in it then I yeah. can't even ask a question yeah <laughs> No, it's so, it's so insightful. I'm also, you know, I'm wondering in regards to your role now with the community, right? Like you have these larger projects that you're working on again, going back to more of the practicality pieces, are there, are there things that people in the community who might be listening to this are able to do to connect with schools not just the schools reaching out but other are, are things that community organizations could be doing to partner
1: good
0: good
2: question yeah I, I absolutely and, and i think yes to answer that and 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 one of them is uh uh reaching out to schools to see what 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 they need right like what can you offer and 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 an example would be uh covid right and and with students not being in school, uh, there was a huge effort from the one of the districts here in Columbus, the one of the largest districts, uh, that reached out to all community organizations to say these are coming. Some of the things that our students need, uh, our families need, who can help, right? And, and so there were a lot of uh, uh, community-based organizations, such as our, such as ours, which is a little larger, but small uh, kind of churches and, uh, that were, that were opening their doors to provide some support, no education background or anything, but just wanted to, to, to help. And so, uh, all districts have a community engagement department. And so uh, I think the districts can do a better job of kind of sharing that information, uh, with the broader community, but, but also, uh, uh, engaging the, the the community in terms of uh what what do we what do we need and who can best meet those needs it, it's it it's it's tough because uh community based organizations have a, a lot of things to offer and there's also you know a lot of kind of red tape, if you will, what uh, a district can allow into buildings in in certain spaces uh, and what they can accept as types of in-kinds. So I think uh, partnering with organizations that are already doing some of that work is probably the best way that other community-based organizations or civic organizations or business uh, in the business sector can can engage schools uh, through other community-based organizations working with uh, districts as they stay in. Uh, and, and, you know, you're just enhancing
0: relationships and that's mm-hmm. huge. We talk about that all the time about the, the, the strength in relationships around a, a student is a huge predictor of their ability to
1: kind of bounce back from adversity. So that's this cool. is exactly what we're doing. Germaine, when you think back to the model that you created, um, in the elementary school where you were a principal, has it been sustainable? That's one question, and then the other one is it and I don't mean exactly I mean I don't mean copycat exportable, but is it exportable and and how that how is that piece going?
2: yeah it, I think it, it is sustainable. Uh, though this school that I were that wasn't sustainable there because the school closed through some board decisions. Uh, but the model, was a model that I adopted from another school. Uh, so uh one of them being uh the, the Harlem Children's Zone, right? They they have an excellent model of, of wraparound support uh mm. for, for for kids. Uh Oakland community school model is another one. So yeah it is certainly duplicatable. Uh you can replicate again in education we we is is never a need to reinvent the wheel, right? It's 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 taking what works for your particular uh for your particular community like everything that the autumn children's zone does wouldn't work here in columbus and everything that we do here in columbus wouldn't work there so it's the needs are particular to that community but the the idea of leveraging community support is the same right what what can this community provide uh to help the families and students there uh and how can the the school kind of give back to those community organizations as well and so uh, it's certainly duplicatable uh, and, and I will highly recommend doing that than trying to start some type of initiative from scratch uh, because there, there certainly isn't a need to do that.
1: So repeat those those really those two great resources you just talked about the Harlan Children's Zone and Oakland Community Schools do I yep. have that right?
2: That's correct.
0: We should uh, we we need to link that in our website. So if you go to education we'll make sure to put those websites up there for folks. Um, you know, Doctor Kennedy, we're gonna we're gonna slowly start wrapping up. But I'm wondering for you in in this work, you know, going from a teacher, becoming a principal, and now working within the broader community to support students, what has been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned right where have you seen the biggest growth for yourself uh
2: the the biggest growth has has been in uh just relationship building and and the need to tell stories uh Mm -hmm. like we know from a, a research side of the house we know based off data the things that are working and 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 uh what's not working uh we know what the best practices are, but it's the stories that really get people uh, in, engaged. Uh, it's the stories that bring in funding, right? It's it's the stories that that kind of tug not on people's heartstrings in in a way to sadden them, but to make to move towards action, right? It's it's those mm-hmm. stories that move at, to make action. And I think for me that wasn't something that i i i always focused on it was this is what the needs are this is what our data says and this is where we need to move but kind of going back a little bit and just saying give humanize this 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 family humanize this situation uh, in a way that now it resonates with anyone right and so i think for me through this whole process in education and what education means it it really to me has been let's start to humanize the people that we're serving in a way that gives them voice Uh, that that's been the biggest the biggest lesson for me thus far
0: I love it. It's the stories that move us to action. And I think your story is anything but inspirational and has definitely moved. I'm sure you have impacted more kids and and parents and families than you are even aware of, right? And your story Mm -hmm. uh, was the catalyst for that. Um, I'm extremely grateful that you gave us your time today. Um, I'm glad that there probably wasn't a big football game on. So then I would have felt really <laughs> guilty. <laughs>
2: um,
0: but yeah, you're, you're doing amazing work. I'm, I'm so grateful that you're in the field of education and, and, and working to change it and make it better for our kids. So um, thank you for that so much. And thank Me you for too. being here.
1: So it's so inspiring. Mm-hmm. I, I think the work that, that we do uh, ourselves is really about creating therapeutic community. Number one, that's the number one goal. And you've, you've done it and now we got to hear your story of how it was done that's really powerful and i, w- I want more of those stories
2: absolutely well, yeah. well, thank you for giving me a voice
0: awesome thank you so much oh, you know, strong voice <laughs> beautiful <laughs>